0: He's going to get you, he's going to get you, he's going to get you, you. boogeyman is coming. Welcome to this week's episode of Daily Horror Habit, the podcast for horror obsessives. I'm your host, Jay Krieger, bring you horror movie reviews and discussions every Friday for your twisted pleasure. And as always, be warned, these reviews and discussions may include spoilers. For this week's episode, I am finally getting around to chatting about one of my most anticipated films of the year, that being Ty West's Slasher, simply put, X, in which a group of adult film actors and crew set up shop in a rural Texan farmhouse that they've rented from a secretive elderly couple. Though when their hosts learn of the actor's film... A weekend of sex and seduction devolves into a gory fight for survival. And joining me to chat about Ty West's Summertime Slasher is Stuart Gears of the Nuclear Fridge podcast, which I myself have had the pleasure of guesting on, and highly recommend everybody check them out. So without further ado, Stuart, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This is my official first podcast that's not Nuclear Fridge.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, I had such a blast on your guys' podcast. And, you know, for people that don't know, you guys chat about, you know, film, TV, games, pop culture and things of that nature. And uh, I had such a great time chatting with you guys. And I think we all have similar sensibilities, at the very least, about uh, films and whatnot. And, you know, I, I got the hint that you're definitely one of the more horror fans of the trio there. So I was really excited to have you on to chat about a movie that... Uh, you had told me you really enjoyed, and I'm just now getting around to, and uh, I think we have quite a lot to talk about with this one.
1: Yes, absolutely, and no, yeah, no, I, I've I've loved horror for a while, and I had a great time talking with you on the Nuclear Fridge, and uh, yeah, no, this movie I was very excited for as well. Uh, you know, Ty West is quite a quite a director, and this was definitely a a return to form, to say the least.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, kind of getting a more of a feel for your, you know, uh, horror history, as it were. uh, As is tradition with first-time guests, I'm curious, what was the first horror movie or moment that uh, left a profound effect on you, for uh, better or worse? (laughs)
1: Um, So, when I was a kid, my parents were a wee bit strict when it came to horror. I kind of had to sneak it. Uh, But, so my first one that really had, like, an impact is from a movie that I don't, I know it's, I mean, I think it's considered horror, but I know there's debate, which is Jaws. Uh, the estuary scene. I, there's a, there's a moment there where uh, the, guy, the guy who's, and he's in the boat next to Michael and the other kids. And you see a side profile of the shark, but it's kind of murky. And when he goes for the leg, the shark just kind of disappears and he gets pulled under. And then you get another brief shot of the shark. And and that's, I think, in the movie, the scene where it looks the most realistic. Uh, but that always freaks me out, especially going to the beach, because I used to go to the beach a lot. Uh, and yeah, that feeling of just kind of not knowing what's below you and, you know, the fact that it could be this <laughs> giant uh human eating great white shark uh, always freaked me out. Uh, but I would say as far as moments go, that was it. I mean, I was also w- w- the things I was able to watch. Like I watched the old like universal horror. So Creature of the Black Lagoon is a big movie that I've loved since I was a kid. But as far as moments, I'd say that would be the moment.
0: Yeah, I had a similar uh, similar upbringing where my parents were pretty strict about the terms of like horror that I was allowed to consume at a young age. And, you know, thankfully I had a, a grandparents that kind of ignored that and showed me some of their favorite monster stuff. But like you, some of the first horror movies I saw was the Universal Monster stuff or Jaws, which, you know, I would definitely argue is, uh, is a horror movie. And, you know, that's a movie, I think, especially like the shot that you mentioned, um, that film – Really weaponized my love of the ocean and of the beach because, you know, I'm a New England guy. So that's basically where I grew up on the weekends, was out by the shore or whatever. And that's a film where it's like, at the end of the day, is it likely that there'd be a great white there? Probably not. But at the same time, like, it's such a masterful film because it's able to weaponize a fairly mundane locale, you know, uh, sites and whatnot aside. But it's like, yeah, going to the beach is all of a sudden like a terrifying concept, which is kind of the root of what i love about horror right the ability to take places that might seem mundane or seem you know just relatively normal safe. location and yeah relatively <laughs> safe and then all of a sudden it's made this horrifying uh scenario that you could find yourself in
1: absolutely but hell of a movie not that jaws hasn't been talked about a lot <laughs> <laughs>
0: Absolutely. But I i mean, the parallel to uh, Creature from Black Lagoon is a great one because it's like that was one that I came to much later because, um, you know, I grew up watching Dracula and Frankenstein Both and Invisible great. Man. But then, you know, the Black Lagoon being the one that like really capitalizes on that same type of thing that Jaws did that, uh, if anything, you know, it just furthermore uh, instilled a fear of going underwater, especially in the ocean or for me right or a lagoon for that matter <laughs> yeah i
1: i have not been in a lagoon at least that i can remember but uh, i'm sure i would have been thinking there, going wondering if gill man's going to grab my foot but <laughs>
0: <laughs> well that's how powerful those films were right it doesn't really matter where you what type of body of water and all of a sudden you're just overly cautious about like oh what is my what is my foot touching what just brushed against my ankle and that's probably the the most defining quality of those types of films for me you know other than when uh Somebody gets ripped in half by a shark. Yes. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, no, definitely. I remember when I had first seen Jaws as a kid, uh, my aunt had a pool and it was really murky looking. And as a kid, I was sitting there and I was like, ah, you never know. <laughs> she some sort of mutant shark that I'm unaware of in the pool. Uh, but uh, no, it's, yeah. I mean, horror movies are just, uh, you know, it's a nice safe retreat to be disturbed or you know surprised and uh, i mean i mean for us i mean after you see a certain amount you do get a little bit more desensitized to that feeling but it is always refreshing Mm -hmm. when there's you know new movies that do it in different ways or something you've never seen before Um, so it's just an amazing genre
0: yeah absolutely and i think that that's something that x capitalizes on really well and you know for me like I have a lot of family down South and I've spent, you know, many a summers and vacations and whatnot, like on various farms and things like that. But with a film like X that, you know, we'll get into a lot of the homages and whatnot nods to other horror films that have a similar setting. But just again, the quality of being able to take a place that just seems very normal and yet instilling a certain sense of unease and fear and terror into it um, is definitely the quality that I think I just, like you said i truly love about horror films they're just their ability to you know insert fear into places you might be familiar with but all of a sudden like and even after you know you and i have probably seen countless horror films and whatnot and you start to get a little desensitized to it but it's still the quality of like a really effective one i find it still puts a little seed of doubt in the back of your mind about a place even if you've been there you know 10, dozens of times or if not more
1: 100 percent. i mean yeah i mean as you said x is a great reminder that you can do a similar type horror movie but bring a fresh spin to it and make it multi-layered so it it was it you know it's kind of like even like when you go into action movies like yeah you've seen the revenge flick a million times but you know like the first john Wick comes out and you know, all of a sudden does something really fresh with it again, it's well shot, even though in other countries, movies have been shot like that for a while now, we're kind of catching up to that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's always nice to have a similar told story, but done in such a unique way.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And I guess before getting into X specifically, um, what was your sort of exposure to Ty West's filmography uh, beforehand, whether it be his, you know, film or he's done uh, quite a lot of TV work I believe recently
1: he has done a lot of TV work I, I have not seen a lot of the, his TV work I, I I think I've seen a couple I, I've seen his episodes that he did for Exorcist and Outcast I believe because I think he did an episode of Outcasts, or even more than one maybe yeah. but uh, I've mostly been big on his films now his first two technical movies I have not seen which I think was Roost and Trigger Man I, I did not see those, uh, and Cabin Fever 2, I'm, I'm sure he wouldn't mind that I didn't see, I, I've heard, I've seen what he's had to say about it, and I'm, I, I love the first <laughs> Cabin Fever, but, I, you know, I, I never saw the second one, even though I did see his name, but then I, I've seen his remarks, and I go, oh, okay, well, maybe I shouldn't look at that as a Ty West movie, <laughs> but, uh, my biggest introduction, uh, when I was in high school, I saw House of the Devil, and I absolutely loved it, um. You know, it's Jocelyn Donahue was really good at it and the movie's atmosphere. And, and also similar to X, it's like a throwback 70s horror movie Uh, and it's look and feel. And that movie got me really interested basically in anything that was releasing. And then I was really a big fan of Innkeepers. Um, he did one of the segments for VHS, right?
0: He did. think um, think
1: i'm trying to remember if it was the last m- one in the first one or not i think i feel like it was but i could hmm. be wrong
0: yeah I, I think that it's the one about the the house that has like the spirit yes in it, where the, the like the, 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 the room start changing
1: like the group of friends go into yeah and that was an awesome short uh and then i saw and then the sacrament which was a fun like mm-hmm. found footage movie did you did you get to see that one
0: I did see that one. Yeah. I
1: enjoyed that. that. And then um, in a valley of violence, which is not horror, but is a really well done Western. And I I liked it a lot. It had a lot of good humor, especially with John Travolta's character for anyone who's (laughs) seen it. Uh, And uh, yeah, no, I'm a really big fan of his. And I was really happy to see, you know, him have a bit of a wider release film, especially through a company like A24, which has been who has been putting out, you know, so many amazing horror movies and other movies as well it's just uh i i was really excited when i saw his name for this movie
0: yeah he's an incredibly versatile director and writer and um in kind of like my first exposure to him was the house of the devil and it was another one of those movies that i came to far too late but i always find that like when i show up to a movie after its you know initial fanfare and release and whatnot and it it's almost immediately apparent why I had heard so much about it. Like, that's always the best feeling as a fan that is kind of playing catch-up in a way, just because, like you had said, from the opening moments of that movie, he establishes the setting so effortlessly, it seems, that you're just involved in this world in a way that feels very natural, and it feels like just a very organic sort of setting, and it doesn't feel necessarily like its sole purpose is to, like, and elicit a certain sort of, uh, you know, uh, rose-tinted glasses for a bygone era or period of time, which is kind of the trend nowadays, it feels like, with, uh, you know, something like Stranger Things that kind of it completely or, you know, shows of that nature or movies like that where it's like, yeah, the big thing is, is that it's set in this past time period. And then that almost feels like distracting sometimes because it's like, well, are you telling a story in that time period or are we just sort of like reveling in this time period? But I found that with Ty West's films, um, he just does such a great job of just being like very matter of fact, but it ends up adding so much texture to his worlds. And, you know, same with uh, In a Valley of Violence, like you had said, not a horror film at all. It's a Western and, you know, a dark comedy at that, very heavily so. Um, But he does such a great job of just establishing that setting and making people feel very believable within the context of this uh, time period and whatnot even for you know as uh ridiculous as travolta's character can come off as it still feels <laughs> like somebody that you would the type of character that you would encounter if you were in that time period or in that town and in the situation and whatnot and yeah you know x was a film that i purposefully went into knowing very little about it just because best way to do it <laughs> yeah you know that's really been and i wonder if you can relate to this like the older that i get the more i kind of Steer away from doing a lot of research or even, you know, I barely finish trailers half the time now for movies because I just want to go into something as blind as possible. If it's got an actor or two that I'm familiar with or a director that I really like, I kind of just dive right into whatever it is, knowing as little as possible. Because I find that, you know, the more research or preparing you do these days, you're probably going to have something not only spoiled for you, but more likely than not even in the marketing material, you're going to see more than you want to see, whether it's a spoiler or not.
1: Yeah. And that's the, you know, with X, it's something that I, yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a movie to see without knowing much about, but today with me, no, as I've gotten older, I definitely, and I've made the mistake a couple of times, especially if you, you know, go to the movies, I started being that guy that looks kind of silly because sometimes there's trailers to things and I just don't want to see much for um, especially after a movie like the Batman or something like that. Cause I remember I, I cause I saw you know, like one or two trailers for that. And unfortunately that movie has a lot of stuff in those trailers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, especially with horror movies, I'd, I'd, ra- I, I tend to sometimes now just kind of turn my head or close my eyes and just try to not focus too much because I really do want to go into the movie as blind as possible. And as far as, yeah, research and stuff goes, like I, I'm not big on social media. So luckily spoilers and things like that aren't. A huge worry of mine uh but i i really don't like looking too far into movies anymore when i was a kid i did i was like oh new trailer new trailer new trailer but uh now i I'd, I'd, I'd rather just see it with as little notion of what the movie's like at all
0: yeah absolutely and i think that <laughs> i have this thing where if i watch a trailer through all the way through and typically now like they You know, they want to put asses into seats, so they're going to show as much of that juicy footage as they can in a trailer. But then I find that it's distracting when I end up going to actually watch the movie because then I find my brain starts to wander and like trying to piece together clips that I've seen and be like, oh, well, I just saw that scene that was referenced in that trailer. So then I wonder if it's going to lead into this other scene that looked cool in that trailer. And it's like it's gotten to the point where. Uh, I just I got to like like you would said, just close my eyes or I'll look at my phone while they're playing trailers in the theater because I just want to go in as blind as possible. And that's the best way to, uh, you know, dive into a film like X, which I think it I was taken aback by, you know, saying that I was a fan of Ty West. But I was even taken aback by the approach to something that is, you know, for all intents and purposes described as a slasher. But I found overall that almost feels like a disservice to. I found to just kind of simply state it as a slasher. I mean, generally speaking, how did you find X?
1: Yeah, no, I, I mean, I loved it. I, you know, the funny thing talking about advertising with it is it's great on one end. Like we were talking about in terms of, you know, not having a lot of stuff ruined for you and things like that. But one thing with X I I would want to say is I am kind of bummed that, it didn't seem to... And maybe it's subject matter for the movie, but it didn't seem to get advertised as much as most of A24's movies, even their smaller films. Yeah. Uh, and that could very much be, you know, the subject matter of the movie. But, uh, you know, that. so it made it even more of an almost, like, intimate experience seeing it. Because I went into a theater. There it was, it was a decent amount of people, but not a ton. Um, but it's just... Yeah, I think it is a disservice just to call it a slasher flick because there's so much more to it. Uh, The characters are absolutely not disposable, which is always refreshing now because you see so many horror movies today where the characters are so, you know, one-dimensional or unlikable. And this movie could have very easily fit those molds, and it didn't. Uh, And as far as, you know, its comments on you know, aging and youth and, uh, you know, especially some of the performances. I don't know if we want to go into that yet, but, you know, all the performances are great. I was bummed when, you know, anyone died in the movie, which I hadn't, I haven't felt in a, in a while. Uh, Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean the opening, I mean, there's like, definitely he, like what Ty West does, he does these, he does very like, subtle tasteful homages to things it's never mm. in your face in my opinion you know it's like kind of like you were saying it's not like you're sitting there like oh remember this or remember that movie <laughs> it's never it's never like that and the movies like it, it gives it has some of that like grime and grain on the film and throughout it but it's a great looking movie yeah I just I, I really dug it it was a breath of fresh air especially for me I mean we talked a little bit about the new Texas chainsaw. Which i I definitely do think there is there are good things in that movie, which we discussed, you know, especially that last scene. <laughs> but, <laughs> but this movie, you know, when people were like, if, if people want to know the kind of vibe I was hoping for originally with that movie,, mm. uh, this movie nailed it just in terms of atmosphere and being in on a farm, just somewhere where there's really not much around you and <laughs> the taboo-ness of, you know, filming a porn film, which I would say, because the, the, I think some people are going to maybe think before going into it, if they do know anything, that it's all about like the sex and the porn when it's really much more about making a porno right. than anything. It and, feels more
0: like a love letter to filmmaking, like in general, it just happens that they're making a porno in this one.
1: 100% and uh i mean even um you know one of the characters in the movie he he's doing this project because he wants to get into film which leads <laughs> to some really funny moments uh and yeah the movie it, it manages when it's serious it's really well done it's earned there are really emotional scenes with characters throughout it uh but it also has really good humor in it uh And yeah, no, man, I loved it.
0: This is the type of slasher that I think feels like a direct response to a lot of, you know, more modern vocal, probably more vocal social media audiences where they say things like, slashers now are played out, or slashers have always been played out, and there's no plot development, there's no character development. I don't care about these people. And X feels very much like an answer to those people and saying, actually, you can have a slasher film that has crazy gory practical kills in it really effective tension and pacing and then have characters that feel like real people or we get to you know be a fly on the wall with those characters for a long enough period of time in the film that like you had said every time a character gets killed off it's memorable not only because of you know the gory practical work but more so that their presence is lost with them being killed or taken out and you know that i think is probably the best compliment that I could pay to this movie and that it very much feels like it's actively structured to work against those types of criticisms. Um, It goes to such great lengths to establish these characters. And not to say that like any one character really has a big monologue or anything like that, that really like lays it all out. It's very sort of, again, his ability to put us into this world in a time period of a bygone era introduce us to characters that give us just enough that we understand who they are. And then they're, you know, more importantly, their decision-making and the thought process that goes into that based on what little we see of them, but it is just enough that you understand who they are. So that way, you know, the furthermore the plot progresses, I don't know. It's the type of thing that it's just, it feels so well established in a manner that I would assume a majority of people that, you know, watch slashes and they say, Oh, this is just, you know, Just they're just going to get to the kills and everything else is just like fluff. Whereas with a film like this, for many of the reasons we're going to get into, you know, it being a love letter to filmmaking in general or its commentary on uh, aging and things like that. And and ultimately what I found to be the most surprising aspect for me, which we'll get into, but the ability to make the killers feel sympathetic in a way that I was not expecting. I mean, again, there are so many layers to this movie that to just simply say it's a slasher. I find is almost a disservice to like the achievement that it actually is in taking so many of these, you know, what it might be seen as tropes or the structure of classical slashers and expanding on it in a meaningful way that at the end of the day makes it unlike any slasher I've probably seen in the last few
1: years. No, yeah, no, I 100% agree. I, I think, you know, especially when I, I mean I could see for people who are more casual horror flicks, you know, going into it and not really paying attention to those elements unlike you know someone like you know someone like us who's seen a lot and can see those details put in there because we've seen so many that ignore them or you know they're just not there you know at at all and you know with this movie it it, i mean first off you know on your comments with the practice the practical effects are amazing in this movie yeah uh and that's also another refresher you know you don't have just overabundance of cgi gore it's really, you have a decent period of time before there's even a kill in this movie. And I didn't mind it at all.
0: Nope, but, you know,
1: all. sometimes, you know, when you're watching these movies or, you know, this is by no way a comparison in terms of quality. You know, you watch me like, uh, say like, the bye-bye man. And, you know, you get into a certain point and you're like, okay, we need some horror kills or something to liven
0: this movie <laughs> right. up.
1: Like, come on, the, you know. The
0: stuff they're focusing on is not cutting it.
1: Yeah, no. This I, I I don't need to see this. Okay, I I want to see a you know a man in people's heads going crazy, <laughs> and st- stabbing teenagers. I guess, but you know in this movie I was enjoying the hell out of you know just them you know getting ready to film this you know the farmer's daughter porno flick, and the humor that came with it. Kid Cudi was surprisingly really funny. I I, I haven't seen him if he's been in other movies. I don't, maybe he has, but um, it was him and Brittany Murphy together were really funny. And it was also refreshing. I mean, because Jenna Ortega, who's been in like a good amount of horror movies recently. Yep. uh, She's great. And it was just nice that, you know, for a movie that focuses on filming a porno that, you know, the porno actresses are still, you know, treated with dignity in the movie. Like no one is objectified, including the men. Like no, it's everyone is treated like a full fledged character. Uh, All the buildups to, you know, the, when they're, to when they're filming and things like that, it's very natural and uh, never feels gratuitous by any means. And uh, it just, yeah, it was, it was nice. Like, To see, I mean, with Ty West, I I would expect more anyway, but it's still when you're watching it, like refreshing just to, you know, see how, uh, you know, rich the characters are, but also, you know, handle this subject matter that could have so easily, you know, just gone past all this and just given everybody the gore and the nudity.
0: Right. Yeah. And I think that this movie is a really great example of just West's versatility in tackling so many different, you know, tones and whatnot. Like the movie begins with that really great shot that I love of the camera pushing through the doorway where you see like one cop car, I think, and then the more the camera pushes through the door of what I think is like an R V and it just reveals like, oh, there's more and more police cars out there and getting a feel for like the size of the crime scene that they're gonna be at or that it warrants this much of a police presence and then we're given literally a tour of the aftermath of what is about to occur in X and you know the bodies are all covered in, uh, covered in cloth or we're not shown them the camera purposefully you know veers away from them but does such a great job of like building tension and instilling in the viewer that like some crazy shit happened and you're about to see some crazy shit unfold and then, you know, his introducing right after that, uh, Maxine played by Mia the Goth, who's the protagonist. And, you know, immediately just her blowing a massive rail and then kind right. of leading <laughs> us into this world of, you know, very people that are very open and casual with their sexuality and with sex in general and drug use and all these things. And then establishing them, you know, more so than presenting them as like, I don't know, as some films might do in a way like present them as like laughing stocks or they're the butt of every other joke. Whereas he really does a great job of crafting this melting pot of characters. You know, you've got the crew who are filming, which is, you know, Owen Campbell, who plays the director RJ. And like you said, Jenna Ortega, who plays his girlfriend who, you know, the, the porn stars deem uh, or give the nickname of like church mouse. Cause she's so proper and she's so offended by what she's seeing. And yet, he does a really, Ty West does a great job of taking people from different realities and walks of life, but having them be in a situation where the people that you would normally view or audiences might view as being the outcasts are almost treated as if they are the normal ones compared to, you know, these two kids that are trying to get into Hollywood, but they're making this uh, porno movie out in the back roads, um, which I think does a really great job at not only establishing personalities, but also it does a great job of, you know, him utilizing his humor. There's a lot of funny moments in this movie that caught me off guard because, you know, whether it's that my brain has been trained to expect certain things from either horror movies or slasher subgenre films or movies that that have a, uh, you know, a weekend at Bernie's tint to their plot and whatnot. Um, (laughs) This movie just does such a great job of balancing so many different tones and themes throughout it that Once the film gets going in the more traditional slasher moments, I don't know, they pop in a way that I was not expecting just based off of, you know, how much development there is for, you know, a good half of the movie before you get into maybe what people were expecting from this movie, not to say that it takes too long to get there or anything, but it just... There's so much care in the buildup to that that as soon as I finished watching it, I was like, I just want to go back and rewatch this immediately because it was... Something that I couldn't stop thinking about, and just the ways in which he's able to, you know, challenge your expectations while still giving you exactly what you want out of a movie like this was a really, really welcome surprise.
1: Yeah. No, no, it, it, I, I wanted to watch it right away too when it ended. I was sitting there just like, man, what a a (laughs) breath of fresh air. It was so well done. And, uh, you know, the thing also, which I thought was hilarious is, Like you said with the beginning, like you you know, opens up with Mia Goth just going going ham on some coke. Uh, You know, (laughs) most horror movies, most of the things the characters do in this movie would completely contextualize them as just on. They normally would be just like put into the oh well, these are the people we're going to be glad to see die camp. Mm -hmm. Uh, And luckily, this movie completely you know switched that around. Uh, And the other thing too, which really. Caught me off guard was, uh, first off, the they have a I'm trying to remember the exact point in the movie where it shows up, but there's a lot of eluding in the movie, but it's subtle allusions. Uh, I don't want to go too far into it because I, I don't know if we want to go into spoilers or anything like that, but it, uh, yeah, there, there's certain hints to, like, things that happen to characters early on in the movie that uh, I, he, he did well enough that, I mean, obviously, you know, on a first watch, you're only going to pick up some of it because you're not sure what you're going to be seeing in a minute. But uh, I appreciated, like, like uh, the very beginning, there's a, uh, a mural behind a character on a building, <laughs> <laughs> which... I know. So I've looked at the mural in the beginning thinking, like, oh, that's just a really cool mural. And, and then it <laughs> and so that was one of the few I caught because it was just like, oh, that's cool. And then, you know, something happens to said character. And you're like, oh. Wow. okay, well, <laughs> That's rough. But uh, yeah, there's just so much to this movie to pick up. Like, I, I'm I'm bummed I haven't watched it again since I I saw that it did come to like Home On Demand, but it's like 20 bucks a movie to rent type thing. Like I'll definitely buy it when it's available. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, this movie demands rewatches.
0: Well, that's the thing I think. And, you know, we can totally get into spoilers. Um, it's the type of thing that, again, everything is so well constructed in terms of how just how much he wants you to know about the characters or, you know, the alluding to their fates later in the film and whatnot. And again, like, something that I keep coming back to is it, you know, a really, I'll say it's an easy comparison, but it's not one that's unfounded, right? Is that comparing it to something like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, right? That's a pretty clear cut uh, film that this draws inspiration and in some instances is a homage to. And, you know, there's even one scene I think that they recreate or reshoot from the original. Uh, It's very brief, but I think that, again, the film does such a great job at instilling a lot of dread early on, but it's not done in a way where, you know, sometimes in these types of movies, they want to allude to either a character's fate or just the general impending doom that's about to befall the characters. And then it feels like the directors almost, you know, they they take a beat or they take a couple of seconds and they're just like, yeah, get it, get it to the audience almost, like whether or not right. that's intentional or not. But with this, everything is so matter of fact. And again, it keeps coming back to Ty West's ability to really instill in the viewer like this setting and just the very matter of fact nature and you know much like in uh the original texas chainsaw massacre you have that very ominous shot early on before you know we even get to the sawyers or leatherface or any of that where you have that corpse that's strung up or it's impaled basically on a uh on a grave and we have a scene similar to that in this in that you know it okay it's devoid of a grave but like getting a foreshadowing for the horror that's about to show up which is when the, the crew is driving to the cabin that they're going to rent and, you know, they come across an accident where a tanker truck hit a cow, right? And so not only do they have the, uh, the hesitation of driving past it because there's cops waving traffic and, of course, they're ripping joints and whatnot in the back, but then also, like, it could just be an inconvenience, but Ty West then shows us the truck or their van driving through the cow's carcass basically and you know driving th- showing us the intestines and the blood that's spilled on the highway and everything <laughs> and it's such a grotesque scene in the amount of detail you know again thanks to the practical effects and how it's could have just been this fleeting shot or it could have been a scene that maybe lingered on it too long but again his ability to introduce something like that it's the most graphic like viscerally graphic moments of the film so far and it's very gory but then it just moves on after that like yeah of course why wouldn't this happen in backroads livestock would of course run through the road and there'd be a right. big accident like he just has such a an even hand in how he approaches everything and I think that that even comes through in the rest of the kills in the film right I mean you have these very very gruesome and gory kills and whatnot and The kills in the film that I think are the ones that are the most indicative of, you know, the old couple, the elderly couple that begins to prey upon uh, the crew and whatnot for their, you know, renting out their cabin and not telling, forgetting to uh, disclose the fact that, oh, yeah, they're going to film porn at this woodland (laughs) cabin or this backroads cabin. And And, and... (laughs) there's great detail tied to each kill for the character that's committing the kill, but it's just interesting how he's able to really like introduce meaning throughout the entire film and nothing feels gratuitous. Nothing feels excessive for the sake of being it. It all just feels purposeful for something. And, you know, again, that is a uh, somewhat of a rarity when it comes to slasher films, I find. Yeah, no, no,
1: each kill. I mean, you definitely feel them like they're like, like you said, they're very gory and, and, it's very in-your-face violence, but it's not, like, I mean, like you said, it's not gratuitous by any means. Like, it's very much, you're meant to see what you see. And especially with the first kill, with, I, I, I guess, I, I won't say who, or should, or... Yeah, we can we can, we can
0: get into spoilers. Spoilers are cool.
1: Oh, okay. Um, so the first kill, which is uh, uh, Wayne, right? Or not Wayne. Uh, RJ. RJ, excuse me. Yeah, sorry. I am still sometimes mix up the names, but... RJ uh he takes a, a knife to the throat uh, quite a few times by Pearl and the setup for that kill i, I mean first Mia Goth as both Pearl and Maxine mm. is amazing yeah that you know the makeup they did for it um they they, they did a great job but you know the build up to that scene it's kind of sad because you know her character is you know it's like this older woman uh she's You know, seeing all these youths that are going around the (laughs) property in different places, you know, having sex for this film. And, you know, she has, you know, she's older, but she still has her sexual urges, but she's not getting it. So, you know, there's, (laughs) she's like, you know, coming on to RJ a bit and you just see the sadness in her doing it. And, you know, when he's pulling away and then she's just like, you know, whips out the knife You know, she does the first stab. I was like, "Oh, okay, that's probably going to be close to it." And then she (laughs) just keeps going. (laughs) You see every time it goes in, and I was just like, "Oh, holy shit!" Like it it (laughs) took it took me back. And you know, we've seen movies all the time where people are you know being stabbed numerous times, but in this, you know, also you know just the fact it's like this older woman. It's she's very forceful in doing it because she kind of has to be but you feel every puncture that goes in and he's just, you know, caught off guard like crazy. I mean, he just had this woman come onto him and then begin to stab him multiple times. It's, it's a very shocking opening kill, but it's so well done. Uh, yeah. I, I, and then as far as the rest of the kills go, I mean, they're, they're very diverse with the kills. None of huh. them, you know, are repeats of the other. Uh, and you get, yeah, I mean, I mean, for people who are gore hounds, if you're someone that just enjoys going to horror movies and appreciating like the gore and stuff that's in there, you'll you'll definitely get quality that here. It's just, uh, you know, there's just so much more to it than that.
0: Yeah, I mean, that first kill of RJ, who you know, I don't, I don't know if you've uh, seen the Evil Dead remake, but I thought that the oh, actor Owen Campbell yes. that plays RJ, I could have sworn that he was. The friend, I think his name's Eric in that. I could have sworn that was the same actor. Uh, but I, I
1: thought it was. I mean, yeah. I mean, the the one that t- takes the needle to the eye.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes.
1: I, I did too, uh, just because they have that similar look. But they, mm-hmm. it is a different actor, right?
0: Yeah. It's Owen Campbell. Um, and I'm, I'm forgetting I'm forgetting the other actor's name. But yeah. I mean, anyways, the that kill, I think, is probably one of the strongest of the film, just because, you know... A, it begins so uncomfortably, right? Because that's the big thing with the elderly couple that they're renting the house from is that, you know, they're both... And, you know, it's a testament to the practical effects, right? You get a look at these people in this daylight and you're like, how are they still walking around? They look like they're, like, the keeper They're a thousand years old. And yet, (laughs) he's able to really make them quite sympathetic considering that they do these despicable and terrible things to these young people that they're so envious of. I mean... He does such a great job of instilling meaning behind everything. Again, like, no character's death is insignificant, and that's a testament to, like, the groundwork that he lays with establishing them as these people that are vital to this story, but more so, like, the reasoning behind them being killed and what significance that carries. I mean, you have that awkward embrace where Pearl's out in the middle of the night and she embraces RJ... You're just like okay, this is really, really uncomfortable. And it actually it pre yeah. it comes before that. You get the sense that like, okay, this woman is like fixated on youth in a way that seems like borderline obsessive and you know detrimental more likely than not to mental health. In terms of when um, Maxine goes into the house, right, and she's talking with Pearl and Pearl makes her lemonade, and you know, it's very uncomfortable because the house itself is like all decrepit and there's dirty dishes and filth piled up to the ceiling basically and then there's this instance where like Pearl starts like rubbing against her skin basically and you know of course Maxine is like what the hell like why are you touching me and she's like well this will be our secret and there's so many like little instances like that that are just very uncomfortable and unsettling and then it really does kind of influence her obsession with like physical contact because like what do we learn about Howard is that Howard is too scared to, you know, very at the very least, like, embrace her, let alone, you know, have sex with her because he's got, like, a bad heart in these things. And, you know, that's, again, like, the first instance where we get the idea of, like, okay, age is taking an effect on these people to a detrimental level that they can't, you know, they could barely embrace one another or his fear, I guess, of that. Um, and that just shows, like, how that kind of erodes a relationship that even if these are two people that love each other... The idea is is that they're facing a very uncomfortable reality about like getting older, and then having that play out against you know RJ's death and the fact that not only does she stab him in the neck, but she goes to the degree she basically like cuts his head off. Right? I mean, yeah. it's such yeah. a gr- <laughs> like a graphic kill, and it goes to a degree that you are not expecting. You know, whether or not it's a result of just like thinking like oh well yeah this is an old woman like she's gonna stab him once and that's the end of it. No, she basically like cuts his head off and (laughs) the fact that that's followed up with her doing that very strange and awkward like dance almost at the end when she's like covered in blood in the headlights of the van and standing over his basically decapitated corpse at first like the inclination is just to be like well this is really fucking weird but then the more you think about it like there's a great significance there right she's getting to finally have some type of um you know letting out a frustration that she has, which, you know, is the root of that is sexual, but this is very much like her venting, basically. And then on the other hand, like doing a dance, which seems strange, but then like the more you learn about her, like she was a dancer and now she can't really do those things, you know, because of age and the things that go with that. And I think that that kill is just such a great example of his ability to not let anything really go to waste. You always get a little glimpse of these villains per i guess you know they're villains for lack of a better uh descriptor of them but i think that you gain a little bit of insight into them and a meaning behind their actions to the degree that nothing feels like it's just oh yeah they're gonna kill this guy with a pitchfork or they're gonna throw her into a gator like everything you kind of you're learning something that accompanies these kills
1: yeah and i mean yeah especially you know that moment with pearl it's such a like she's like kind of freed herself a bit you know especially Mm. when she's like starts that dance up but you know as the movie continues it recontextualizes so many of the earlier scenes where you know some of their first instances where they see pearl she's just kind of staring or she'll you know she'll wave at them which in any other movie is just to be like "Ooh, creepy old person (laughs) yeah but in this as it continues you realize she's just very lonely sad person that clearly you know I mean, you know, in certain scenes, especially when she's like with Mia Goth talking and they have kind of that. I mean, despite being played by the same actress, having that duality of and her knowing what it's like to be young and beautiful and what comes with that and seeing where she feels, you know, maybe in some places that's you know, it may have been wasted. And it's just it really is. I mean, yes, there comes a point where you go. I mean, yeah, I feel bad for her, but, you know, you don't need the slaughter everyone <laughs> <laughs> but but uh it's uh no it it, it it's a really sad thing and, and even the husband you know when when she talks to him about it you know earlier on in the movie when she's kind of coming on to her husband because she just you know she just wants to be intimate mm-hmm. and he he feels genuinely bad he's not like just an asshole to her and like oh it's going to make her make her so angry that she's going to go start just like killing people it's like, like no he's she's she's understanding with him she it's like they are characters they they don't write them as complete villains it's uh and yeah and even with that makeup like you said i mean there's times you see them especially like in the light where you go like man they they, they are so ne- they're they gonna be dead soon <laughs> uh, <Yeah>.
0: but <laughs> when howard's walking across that field of the cabin initially i was just like oh man is he gonna, is he gonna be able to make it there and back because <laughs> like i think that that's great though because it, it Ty west goes to such a great pains to instill in the viewer that like yeah these are two people that you don't understand how they're still alive but just based on how they look and how they behave but at the same time like again his ability to write characters in a way that Nobody's an afterthought or nobody is just a caricature, right? There could have been so many caricatures of prototypical types of characters in slashers or horror movies in this, but he takes everything a step further. And, you know, based on how they look, you're going to have certain assumptions, but then whether it's how they behave, you know, when they're killing people or their interactions with one another. It's it's a very human slasher, I think, in a way that I was not expecting with those characters, whether it be the villains or, you know, the victims.
1: I, yeah no I, I wasn't either and I mean even characters where they do fit a certain mold like like I loved the uh, the sheriffs uh, where it, the kind of you know where it begins and ends his, his comment about the uh, must be one goddamn fucked up horror picture <laughs> yeah. like even though that's like a funny line and how it's delivered is you know slightly over the top there's so much to you know the delivery and where it is in the movie. It, it's not just thrown in there just purely for a laugh. Um, uh, it's I, cause you know, as the movie continues, you, you are about to see a, a, a fucked up movie. <laughs> uh, it's, it's very intentional. Um, but, uh, I mean, even when they're, uh, you know, before they get to the farm and, uh, there's a scene with Maxine and Wayne at the, uh, uh, cash register in that little shop and he talks about her having the x factor you know that's a very big theme throughout the movie yeah uh is it even with pearl and you know that she's got that thing and uh i mean so, oh, something we haven't even we haven't mentioned also uh is the throughout it you're seeing that sermon on tv and which is revealed to be that you know the missing daughter of the guy is maxine right and uh it's yeah it's just like everything fits together so perfectly in this movie um i I do yeah like i'm really looking forward to seeing it again just to see see those bits and pieces with a little bit of knowledge prior watching it because that's gonna you know recontextualizes so much but
0: yeah and you know i think that theme of ageism comes through or you know getting older comes through so well in the parallel between you know specifically maxine and pearl and the fact of the matter is is that yeah it's played by the same actress which you know I didn't actually know that until I finished the movie and I like started reading about it a little bit more I was like oh shit yeah that's the same uh, same woman and it was to the degree where it was like okay I don't think you could have had this movie if that was not the case because she plays off of those two characters so well in that and you know it, part of it's a testament to the writing obviously but also her ability to sell things so well in terms of just like lining those parallels up perfectly, right? I would been a big arc for Maxine the entire film is like, I, will, I think the line she has is, I will not accept a life I do not deserve, right? And that's her coming from the place of like the idea of youth slipping away and she hasn't made it in Hollywood yet or hasn't made it in like big yet. And this is whole idea of like her being in this porno is that this is what's going to sell her to stardom. Whereas you get the opposite end of that, which is Pearl, right? Who is fixated on Maxine because she reminds her of what she used to have and the fact that it's fleeting with every second that passes and the idea that she is dealing with a similar frustration. But again, it's the opposite end of the spectrum of where these two characters are at. They want the same thing, but they're at opposite ends of, you know, age and whatnot and that experience. And yeah, that's just the ability to take that theme and, you know, not really, I guess not really realizing or picking up on that until maybe the second half of the film when I did when I was just like, oh, okay, now I'm seeing all these things being placed together and whatnot. And just going back to the very beginning of the film and seeing if it's as strong as I think that it is throughout the entire film um, will be interesting to see. Because, yeah, this is a movie that I think it takes the very it's a very like simple concept again, but the ability to infuse so much into it that I think it really surpasses those expectations in a way that makes it far more meaningful than, you know, again, some people might say like, oh, slashers, you know, there's not a lot to them. It's just, let's get to the kills. Whereas with this, you don't get that first kill for, uh, you know, a good almost 40 minutes of the movie, you know, the RIP to the cow on the highway in that scene. But (laughs) I think that, you know, if you don't have that buildup, then each of the kills don't necessarily pop as well as they do i think in this um again you know it, ty west's ability to just put so much humor into the movie and really give each of the characters their own shine in a way i think does a great job at being you know i guess it subverts your expectation of like who these characters are because it could be very easy to go into this and be like yeah these are just you know dumb porn stars and dumb you know exploitive uh producers and whatnot and you know Some of that might be true, but at the end of the day, like he allows these characters to carry a scene where they're supposed to be the focal point of it. Like there's a really good contrast between, you know, RJ and his girlfriend, Lorraine, versus, you know, the experienced uh, porn stars and producer and whatnot, where they're like pumping gas at that little mart. And, you know, RJ's entire thing is like, oh, well, you know, I want to make an avant-garde Porno and I'm trying to like make story a big focus, and I'm trying to like end up going into like making real movies for Hollywood. And then, you know, Britney Snow has that fantastic line, uh, Bobby Lynn, who says, like, oh well, she's watching uh Kim Cuddy pump gas, and she's like, if you angle it down more, it looks like the nozzle is his <laughs> dick. <laughs> Just like right. such a little like throwaway <laughs> bit, but it's funny because not only does is it a funny line, but like furthermore, it shows that these kids that think that they're, like, too good for this are actually a little out of their element and, like, oh, well, actually, for this type of movie, her suggestion makes far more sense than whatever, you know... Uh, he was going for. Yeah, what he was going for, that, like, avant-garde line of his and whatnot, which I just love that contrast of, like, people that think maybe that they are superior to these other people, they pursue to be uh, lesser than them. But then at the end of the day, it's like, well, actually, who is more comfortable and knows this world? You should probably just go with them because... At the end of the day, like her suggestion that seems like a throwaway ends up being the one that fits for the type of movie they're making.
1: Right. Yeah, it's yeah, I I do like that they had that respect and that there's also that scene when they're at the cabin and they're all talking and uh, Jenna Ortega's characters kind of asking them about it. Uh, and, and she's not so much being insulting as being just genuinely curious, which, you know, as we know it, it you know, it goes to her, you know, being in it. Uh, and it was also, but with that scene, it was, you know, like no one's just outright insulting each other or anything like that. It's very much just a conversation between characters that have, you know, maybe they share different viewpoints, but both, you know, no one's saying one's wrong. And eventually i mean it's it's also funny just to see you know rj who went into this just being like okay i'm gonna film this thing and you know bounce and you know hopefully go forward and get into hollywood and stuff with with my girlfriend and seeing you know where he because he's the the whole beginning of the movie is him basically telling her like oh it's not a big deal it's just a porn flick where she's super uncomfortable with it and saying like this is kind of gross and like and then when she's like finally kind of opened to it and decides like, Oh, I kind of might actually want to shoot a scene for it. And his walls just crumble. (laughs) (laughs) And understandably. So like, you know, it's like, once again, like no character is like put in this position where like, they're a bad guy or it's, you don't understand where they're coming from. They're all just people. And you know, it's, it's great to, to see that. And not even just a horror movie, just a movie today it's nice to see people just acting natural around one another. Yes, you have this taboo of the, you know, porn actresses filming a porno on a farm and not disclosing it to the owners. <laughs> but it, none of it, it it surprisingly for a movie with all this, it never feels cheap or sleazy. It's it, it, that's such a I, I can't say enough about what a feat that is and how easily it could have went in a different direction
0: absolutely and you know it's an interesting concept or dilemma right because if you want to have a movie that is about you know having porn in it or filming a porn movie like you have to sell those scenes in a way that feels authentic right you can't be like well I'm going to have a movie that's about making porn and then not have nudity or not have scenes that resemble porn in them. And, you know, he does such a great job of not shying away from much in those moments of filming those scenes. And at the same time, it's almost done in a way that is that is very tasteful, I think, in that it shows you he goes like the length that you should for something like that without it feeling like, OK, we get it. We know why they're there. They're filming porn. Like, yeah, you get to see Kid Cudi and Brittany Snow bang out like we get it. But he does a great job, I think, of, like, putting you in that moment in a way that feels authentic while not being overkill or, like you said, being, like, sleazy or creepy for the sake of it, right? I think that that takes guts for a director to be like, yeah, I'm going to put you in these moments that offer a certain level of authenticity and then pull away just when it's like, yeah, okay, I've done that. I've shown this. Because that's important to establishing that if that's such a pivotal part, like it wouldn't make sense to cut away from those or shy away from those moments. But he does it in a way that is so well thought out. And, you know, these things we've mentioned, like respectful and just understanding the utilization of those things and not letting it ever be a crutch. Right. You don't need to have four or five of those scenes or or just two or three scenes that go on for far too long. Like he handles that, I think, in a really great way. And then at the same time, each of those instances really capitalizes on the characters themselves, right? And you get bits of their personality. I think there's a bit where um, Kid Cudi's character and Brittany Snow's character are, like, in the throes. And she's, like, you know, giving that what you would view as being, like, the classical porn star thing where she's just like, this is the best thing ever. And then immediately when they cut, she's just, like, laughing and just like, yeah, it's like, okay. Like, just cutting out of character and then being able to, like show that that showmanship personality again in a split second and then going right back to it i mean he does such a great job of just allowing these characters to give out little bits of their personality in between big scenes or you know focal points of scenes in a way that makes them you know it makes them feel like real characters to the degree that when they do inevitably get killed then their absence is noted
1: no yeah yeah and the other thing with it is he does a great job of you get a lot of that just natural humor that would probably come from being on a porn set or in this case, you know, just filming a porno somewhere because you, I mean, in between those scenes, I mean, yeah, like you have that scene where she's like, kind of goes in and out of acting and Kid Cudi sitting there like, Yo, I did, you know, I did great. And then, she's yeah. like, oh, <laughs> I mean, you, yeah. And then she just kind of like gives like this like fake orgasm, but you know, kind of sells it. And it just like everyone in the room just kind of looks at each other like, well, shit. And, you know, Jenna Ortega's like, sitting there, you know Having to deal with a, a certain scene Where uh, fluids are shared Yeah. And a uh, rag is thrown at her Like, and but it's all, like, in jest Like, mm-hmm. it's not, you know It's very much a, like, trying to, you know Just characters trying to make, you know Light of an odd situation And, uh Yeah, it, it's just crazy And also, I, I, which It culminates In a moment with Pearl and, and, and her husband, which you you messaged me about when you watched it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's... Because it is, like, such a big moment in the movie, but it's, like, one... Like, that... There's so much going on in the scene because it's... Maxine's hiding from them and they've been, like, going after everyone there and at that point have, have killed most of them. And Maxine's hiding under the bed in this room and pearl and her husband you know she's still she's still horny and he's you know he's you can tell he's just uncomfortable with the idea that he might have a heart attack or something if they do anything but they 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 make love and you see all of it it's a very uncomfortable scene but at the same time it's like you do have that emotional moment because you see pearls like she finally has what she wanted so there's a lot going on, but then at the same exact time, you have a girl under the bed that just wants to get the hell out of there. There's these <laughs> right. two crazy, murderous <laughs> farmers that are you know having sex on a bed after they just murdered all her friends. So it's there's just a lot going on. Um, but something that happens with uh, is, is the the husband's Howard, right? Yep. Is after something happens with it's with well, I mean we're past spoilers, so. When Jenna Ortega's character She gets uh, She actually gets kind of Brutalized Because she has her hand messed up And then she gets shot But her character She has like a spasm in death And it scares Howard Into having that heart attack And it's so Well It's such a well done scene And it's so funny Because there's so much going on Like once again There's a lot going on During that scene know maxine's trying to get out they're he, they're carrying this body they're trying to like you know they're kind of game planning they just had you know sex after however many years and yeah her, she kind of spasms out and it, it it scares him literally to death and it's just it's just a, it's really well done like it's not none of it feels cheap
0: well, there's, like, that gallows humor in that scene, too, where it's, like, the one thing that he was so scared was going to kill him, you know, it gave him something that he himself, whether he would admit it or not, is probably something that he wanted for many years when he was living in that fear. And then something, you know, that is a byproduct of their uh, their more recent murderous activities ends up being <laughs> his <free>. own downfall. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, <laughs> I love the uh, – in thinking back now, like, the contrast, like, the fact that he is – shot several people at this point he like puts a double barrel to a uh, kid cut chest and kills him that doesn't give him a heart attack but seeing this girl that then like scares him briefly is like that's what gives him the heart attack coming it, off of that right uh, that lay and whatnot
1: it's it's so quick and like there's no threat at all it's just the fear that she kind of her body jumped a bit is what got him because it was unexpected uh but yeah no and and also the uh does it talk about like practical effects stuff like that i don't know how they did the alligator scene i I don't know if you know if they did it like practically or how much of that was like maybe some cg added
0: i looked uh, into that because i was wondering the same thing i'm not sure for that scene but i think that that scene actually when you mentioned earlier just like Ty west's ability to foreshadow with characters and you know not picking up on necessarily right away initially, but then thinking about it later on and how I just want to go back and rewatch it to see if there are uh, more moments like that. I mean, you have that mural, right, where uh, Brittany Snow's character, <laughs> Bobby Lynn, is behind that mural and it's an alligator and of course she gets eaten by it. But there's even a moment before that, right, with uh, Maxine when she goes skinny dipping in the pond there. And that's right. probably one of my favorite scenes of the movie when she is like swimming back to the dock and then you keep getting these, top-down shots of this gator that's in the bayou that's, like, following behind her slowly and catching up and catching up and building that anticipation of, like, well, if she jumps onto the dock, is that old woman that's been stalking her going to grab her? Or is this shark or a gator going to get her before it grabs her, before she can get on the dock? And, you know, and assuming that, like, oh, okay, the gator might be tied to her character if her character doesn't end up making it. And then, of course, you have that moment where you have Pearl... And again, you know, Ty West tying in this theme of like getting older and being jealous of people's youth and things like that. Like before Pearl shoves Bobby Lynn into the gator's jaws, essentially, she has that moment where she basically is like rashing on her for, you know, being young and attractive, right? She's like, why do you get to flaunt that in my face? That's not fair. That's essentially what she says. And, you know, there's a real resentment there. And then seeing, of course, you know, her getting eaten and devoured by a gator is uh is kind of has this comical hue to it, because <laughs> it's just so over the top and so gruesome and so out of left field. But then you know when you think about it, like no, it was always building to that moment.
1: Yeah, and the other, and the other thing with that moment too is because it's it, it starts off with Bobby Lynn just you know she's being super kind to her. She's kind of trying she's just trying finding her trying to find her friend. She sees an old woman on this dock at night. She wants to help her out. And then when she starts throwing all this in her face, then she's like, okay, well, well, screw this shit. And yeah, that, when she gets <laughs> taken by that gator, there is that hint of humor, even though, I mean, I, I felt bad seeing her go because she was such a likable character. Um, but that scene, yeah, I was just, I did not know how they shot it and what they did, but it looked really good. Yeah. Um, because it's not like a, a movie. Well, I mean, that sounds dumb, but it's not like a typical movie alligator kill. Mm-hmm. Like it's no, very, you, you know, j- it's jolting around. You don't see it super clearly. Um, but that's you know how you know a gator would take somebody out. So like that's why I was just like always I was curious as to how much of that was practical versus CG or something. And it 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 worked really well though how they shot it and, I, but yeah Pearl. Which, uh, you you stayed after the credits, right?
0: So, I think that they only showed that trailer in theaters, and that was going to be my uh, my wrap-up question for you. Oh, just because oh okay, I was going to tie it, that into something. Because, yeah, like the, no, no, you're good. Um, I rented it at home because they have the, you know, the cinema on demand thing where it's like a $20 rental. But I waited until the very end, and I rented it through Amazon, and they didn't have that trailer at the end of it. And I was, but at the same time, you know, it kind of comes back to my thing where I was like, well, even if it had been there, I don't know if I want to watch it because I'm just so eager to come back to these characters or a few of these characters and, you know, explore more of their history. Because again, you know, Ty West, I think, again, he does such a great job at establishing a setting that feels believable. These feel like people that are byproducts of, you know, not only just the human condition of getting older and these things, but, you know, I'm interested to see what the singular event was that led these two people, Pearl and Howard, down this path where, you know, they're chaining up people in their basement or they're murdering a crew of young people that show up on their property. Um, But I guess that was going to be like my roundout question was just like that trailer for Pearl, is that something that you feel like that you need answers to? Is that something that you're like interested in exploring more? How do you feel about the fact that uh, he, I guess, Ty West secretly filmed a uh, prequel to X, and I think he's in post uh, post production for it right now.
1: I think so. Uh, I yeah. I, I there's there's quite a. It's like a more of a teaser, if anything. There's nothing. It's not. It's which I like. It wasn't you know just like showing an entire movie's like plot or anything like that. But uh, for me, uh, because of how much I, I I love this movie, if you can't tell, I I, I liked the movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> it uh, No, I definitely would like to see more of what it, You know, I, I'm a huge fan of Ty West I'm happy he's he's got some movies coming out now That have a little bit more uh, Opportunity for people to view them And, you know, have him his name get out there more But uh, as far as it, It's one of those weird things where Part of the appeal of X is not knowing really What happened in this girl's life fully To get her to this point so, obviously, if you have like a prequel, you're going to lose some of that. But I feel like if he feels that this is a story that should be told, and especially with Mia Goth, who who did a great job, um, I'm definitely I'm definitely game to see whatever it is that he has in store, because uh, that tells me with him that he thinks it's worth it. Because up until this point, he's you know, everything he does is a one off right. for the most part, as far as film goes. Uh, so if he feels that there's more to be explored i, I that makes me think that he has something kind of special in the works with it uh, so i i definitely look forward to it. it 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 was definitely weird to see that after the movie because i did get this i saw it in theaters with my brother and uh, and it was uh yeah we just kind of sat there and, and it's you know sometimes it's nice to like just like Watch the credits of a movie and just see like how many people are involved in it, especially when it's a movie like this that's clearly you know lower budget and all that. But I I, I heard I did hear prior to seeing it that there was going to be something for after the credits as well. I didn't know it was going to be a trailer. I thought it, I just assumed maybe it was like a you know little clip or something. Of, you know, for the movie is like a you know. Not an MCU setup,
0: but... <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was just thinking. <laughs> you, know,
1: you know, I wasn't expecting, like, Samuel Jackson to come out of a farm and be like, Pearl, we need you, you know? But, um, I like horror movies having a little bit of mystery between behind how a character became who they are. And this movie did... X did do a good job of providing you with just enough that you have a pretty solid idea, but without spelling it out for you. Right. so I'm just interested to see the details and stuff he's going to be going into with a young Pearl
0: yeah you know I think that it's the type of thing that if you're looking at that from afar right the idea oh he's going to do a prequel now because of course he would be he's just doing basically <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre the beginning <laughs> or something like that but I think right, that right. he lays so much groundwork in this movie in such a short period of time right it comes back to that initial scene when uh, Maxine goes into the house and Pearl basically is kind of telling her her, you know, for lack of a better phrase, her origin story, right? Talking about how she met Howard and how she was a dancer and her past life and how the war changed him, basically, and things like that. And in just a few minutes, like, she presents this very believable course of events that would forever change their life. Um, And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see the ways in which Ty West can, you know, present their life back in the day and how probably one fateful evening or something steered them down this path where they've you know begun killing people and killing people has become a uh, commonplace for them but again he does so much in a movie that the way we're t- we've are we been talking about it you would almost think this is like a two-hour movie but it's not it's like almost it's just over 90 minutes it's probably 100 minutes or so but i feel that he does such a great job again of like establishing this setting this period and then putting people into the world that just feel like a byproduct of this world and the different you know lives that people live rather than people that feel like they serve a singular purpose and being like well yeah you need to have the crazy old people and you need to have the the ridiculous overly sexual porn stars and these things but everybody just feels like they're very matter of fact and these people that are occupying space in a world that. For me, at least, and it sounds like for you, like have more buy into than somebody that was like, oh, let me just show the uh, the more raunchy side of things or the overly gratuitous side of what the seven late 70s, uh, early 80s could have been like. And I think that it's rare that I would finish a movie and, you know, I knew about the film Pearl that was going to be coming out and whatnot because I'd heard about it. But as soon as I finished the movie, I was like, yeah. That's something that I actually want to see because I trust in Ty West to have the ability to, you know, make that serving of the characters rather than just serving of something like, yeah, I want to have another movie in this universe, Um, which he actually did a, um, he did one of those ask me anything reddits. And he said that he would ideally like to do a horror trilogy at some point. He didn't specifically say this, but it seems like Hmm. at least, you know, before getting ahead of ourselves, like I would be open to seeing Pearl just because... I want to see them, these characters again, and them really, you know, exploring where they, you know, went wrong, essentially, or how they ended up where they're at. Because the way in which he produces these characters and, you know, writes them and casts them, they just, they're so believable that however they found themselves here, I just trust that he's able to make it not be this thing that just feels like, some goofy overarching thing well yeah then they of course they had to end up killing people like i feel like he could introduce it in a way that feels organic to those characters and just feels like a continuation to the degree that you see their origin and you're like well of course how could they not end up going in this direction but that's just his ability i think to uh to write convincing characters
1: yeah no i i I definitely am uh, anything that that guy does i'll I'll definitely want to see and you know like as you said there's Uh, you know like man i am even surprised going over that that time frame i did not realize it was only like 90 minutes but um yeah yeah they do cover a lot and yeah i i think that they got they have plenty of material to work with and uh i mean yeah i'm curious if this is kind of the the trilogy he's talking about or not that'd be interesting or if he has something else in the works too but i mean if this is it i mean hell of a start
0: Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even if he didn't have this prequel planned and, you know, it's, that's one of those nice surprises uh, in horror, right? The idea that you finish a movie and then you're immediately rewarded with knowledge that, oh, you're going to get to return to this universe probably sooner rather than later. I mean, the only other instance I can think of recently um, was, did you see those Fear Street movies that Netflix did?
1: no i i really i i heard about them and i wanted to watch them but i never got around to it
0: so that was one of the and you know regardless of how i feel about the movies i think the i've only seen the first two out of three and you know i enjoyed the first part more than the second part but i think that you know as uh mainstream slashers perhaps they're far more entertaining than i was expecting them to be but you know that was one of the coolest releases that i've seen in a while where it was over a three-week period and every week they released a new move like a full-fledged 90 minute 100 minute slasher movie week after week and there was this connecting uh storyline between the three of them but it takes place in different periods and whatnot and that was one of the coolest releases regardless of how you feel about the films like imagine finishing a movie that you enjoy or you get a certain amount of entertainment out of and then they release a sequel the next week and then oh You're going to, maybe it's not your favorite follow-up, but they give you kind of another kernel of the overarching story that connects these movies. And then, oh, you're going to get a third part the following week. Like, that was one of the coolest things. And to finish this movie and know that you're going to immediately, you know, in the foreseeable future, get a follow-up to it that they've already finished filming. It's already been written and it's in post-production. Like, that's a very exciting thing that I feel you only really get nowadays with something like a Marvel movie, right? I mean, no matter what the Marvel movie is, regardless of if it is successful at the end of the day or not, which, you know, who am I kidding? Most of them are. But it's the idea that, like, they're always going to be connected to the next Marvel movie or they're going to be building into that universe connectivity in some way or another. And I just think that's very cool that horror movies now, I think general audiences have caught up enough to the fact that we're getting enough fervor and you know chat about these types of movies when they're up into uh, their release that you can do things like that you can kind of like spring a surprise prequel onto an original IP on people and chances are there's going to be an audience there for it and i think that's just an exciting uh exciting prospect for horror movies in general you know moving forwards it's a really cool thing
1: yeah i 100% agreed i mean the other thing that's great about x um you know with some horror movies that they have that uh, no, and it's not something I dislike. I, I I love way too many horror movies to not have one that I enjoy that has that type of ending. But it, it's very this movie. Even if we never had Pearl coming out or potential sequels, is it, it works perfectly as a one off. Yes. Um, and I think that's how most movies should be. I know you know, especially with the Marvel craze, which I I am a fan of Marvel, so I'm not trashing, but a lot of the time now there's not really an ending ending to these movies. Like it doesn't feel like a self-contained movie where you can, I I mean, I guess if you want to go comic book route, the Nolan, I I would say the Batman Nolan movies have that sort of like, if you never made another one, it has an ending. And lately now with movies that are having sequels and all that, you don't really have just one definitive movie. You kind of need to watch all of them to have that connectivity and an end feel but with X I mean that's great about it. I mean it also helps that Pearl's going to be a, a prequel but you know if they never got around to doing Pearl or anything X is a perfectly solid one one off and they did a great job so I I always appreciate a horror movie that can like have that ability to
0: remain by itself Yeah and I think that that's the biggest compliment you could pay to this movie is that it's very self-contained and that's probably why the idea of revisiting this universe is exciting in a way that seldomly i would feel about a majority of horror movies right because like you had said a lot of movies that are being created and then immediately they're like oh well yeah there's going to be a follow-up so we can save some reveal or like big moments for that next film even though you know of course playing around with the timeline it's going to be a prequel but at the same time like X is such a satisfying film in its own right that anything you get additionally that deals with these characters or that setting and whatnot is like that's just that's gravy after that especially after that oh, yeah. you know that head splattering uh, finale that the film has which again <laughs> is like I can't believe I you know it took me this long to mention it but just like the fact of the matter that the film is able to completely one up and, you know, in some ways, it's almost like it's building off of that initial kill, right, of the tractor, uh, not tractor trailer, the but cow. the uh, the tanker that takes out the cow, right? You get this moment again of just, like, vehicular carnage where not only is she going to run over Pearl's head, but it's going to explode in the most gruesome way imaginable. Like, I don't know if there's been a head pop that, like, grotesque since... Uh, you know, maybe scanners or something when that guy's head explodes because they go the <laughs> right. full the full tilt on gore and just like illuminating that with the neon red headlights from the van and everything. I mean, that's such a uh, like a chef's kiss to end a slasher film with.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing, too, which was, was which was funny because I, I did know that there was something after the credits. I didn't know it was a trailer to Pearl. Um, so I wasn't sure if Pearl was even going to die in this movie. I was sitting there like thinking like, huh. Which ended up being kind of for the better because it caught me off guard that she just runs her over. <laughs> right. Because I was like sitting there. I'm like, okay, well, she she's down. She's an old lady. She'll probably just drive off, set up a sequel. Uh, no, no. <laughs> it's, it is so, so gruesome. And it does not cut away or anything. And it, it actually reminded me, I forgot in the House of the Devil, there's someone that gets a, a headshot in that too. That I remember at the time I had not seen um, nearly as many horror movies as I I have now. But I remember that headshot from House of the Devil always just like surprised the shit out of me because it's just super over the top and kind of out of nowhere. Uh, I mean, it's in context with the movie. It's not not out of nowhere, but it's just a really quick scene.
0: It runs up on you.
1: yeah, exactly. And this movie definitely had that with me with that because I just was like, okay, you know, like how far are they going to go with it? I mean, Howard kind of went out, you know, I, I I felt he had the like nicest death of the movie and, you know, with Pearl, I was like, ah, okay, she might make it. And they were just like, no. And, you know, considering everything that just happened, I do not blame her by any means <laughs> doing right. what she did.
0: The way that Howard goes out though is pretty perfect for a lead up to that, right? Because- you're almost like, well, this guy's been going around and killing half the amount of people this whole movie that his wife does, and and yet, you know, he has this very sort of tame death that, you know, it might be tame by slasher movie standards, but again, it fits with that character, right? It's the idea that, yeah, he's been worried about his heart the entire film, and yeah, now this is what's going to ultimately uh, be his demise. And then, you know, following it up with the most aggressive kill of the film, like, that's, again, just... A perfect ending to this movie that, again, it. Because I, I had the same thing. Like, I had heard about the fact that they were going to do a prequel, or I had rather, I had heard that they were going to do a continuation with that character. I didn't know it was a prequel, but I, like you, had assumed, oh, well, yeah, she, you know, she's going to have a broken hip, but she's going to walk it off and live to kill another day or something, which is kind of what you would expect of a slasher movie, I suppose, at this point. Uh, typical, it's, yeah, slasher yeah. ending. Yeah. Keep it open. But you know, to go the opposite direction, it made not only a her death that much more surprising, but again, Ty West had put in the groundwork to make this a character that there's more to them than just, yeah, they like to kill people.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it was great. And then it ends with just, you know, Mia Goth going out, Maxine driving, doing an, a line of coke <laughs> and going off into the night. Uh, but yeah, man, what a movie, what a movie though, man. Like what a yeah. movie I'm, I'm, I'm happy that, uh, to to finally really talk about it i haven't really had an opportunity to speak with anybody about the movie much um and uh when you said that you would like to talk about it on the podcast i was like ah, finally yes yes (laughs) you know i haven't and uh you know especially someone also that appreciates ty west because you know when i saw his name on the trailer the first time i had seen it i was like so excited, and I like, looked at my brother. I was like, Ty West's new movie." He's like, "Who's mm-hmm. Ty West?" And then I just like, <laughs> kind of, like, my eyes just like went to the back of my head, like, "Oh man, oh man, people are in for a treat."
0: <laughs> well, that's the beauty of doing the podcast, right? I get to have people on that are as enthusiastic about like specific directors, or just you know, get to geek out about movies that maybe are a little more off the beaten path. That uh, you know, not to fault them, but just you know, general horror consumers are not going to be seeking out or diving into in the same way that maybe people like us might in terms of like, yeah, if, if I was going to recommend a, uh, you know, a a sunscorched slasher that's set in backwoods, Texas, I'm probably not going to recommend this to a friend that doesn't necessarily like horror to the degree that we do. I might recommend, you know, one of the Texas chainsaw Massacres or something like that, but it's been a pleasure, you know, getting to pick your brain about a film that I think, is able to subvert a majority of the expectations that I think a lot of people have about slashers, but even myself, you know. Ty West is somebody that, you know, he, I'm sure he's been doing great work in the TV realm of things for a minute, but it was nice to see him come back to film, especially after, you know, his last movie was not a horror movie, right? Not to say I was fearful he had lost his uh, his spooky touch because I think he left such an impression with uh, something like The House of the Devil and his other f- subsequent films after that. But it was just very refreshing to see a film that really did challenge my expectations at every turn um, in a way that, you know, produced not only very gruesome and gory results in the best way possible, but was able to use that taboo subject matter in a way that felt respectful of all parties involved, which is, I think is a rarity, you know, it didn't end up just being this thing where I was like, Oh, let's, you know, point fingers and make fun of uh, these people and whatnot. But it was a film that, I think was very even-handed considering the subject matter that it deals with, and not treating it with the same uh, condemnation maybe that uh, some people might with that subject matter or and whatnot. But yeah, this was a uh, it was a delight to get to pick your brain finally. You know, ever since I was on Nuclear Fridge, uh, I've been meaning to hit you up to chat horror in a little more depth, and this was definitely a a welcome conversation. So thanks for taking the time to chat with me, man. I appreciate it.
1: No, man. No, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. I mean, I'm always, if you ever want to talk about anything horror, I'm, I'm always down. I appreciate you having me.
0: Anytime. I would love to have you back to chat uh, chat horror. And anybody that's listening should definitely check out Stuart's podcast that he's a member of, uh, Nuclear Fridge. Those are uh, a great group of guys that chat movies, games, and, you know, popular culture, like I said. And uh, it's a good time. So thanks again, man. This was a pleasure. Hey, no, thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Daily Horror Habit. You can follow the show on Twitter at Daily DailyHorrorPod or give me a follow at NotFunnyJ. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you guys next week.